The movement toward EMV in the U.S. has been stunted, at least in part, by a district court's ruling against debit transaction incentives for banking institutions. The card brand suggests this ruling has discouraged banking institutions from making investments in EMV for debit. But is there more to the story? Here, Randy Vanderhoof, executive director of the Smart Card Alliance, shares thoughts about where the U.S.'s migration toward EMV stands and strides we may or may not see in 2014. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. Randy, before we jump into some of the deeper discussion about EMV and the migration in the U.S., could you tell us what the Smart Card Alliance's stake is in the EMV migration? Sure, Tracy. The Smart Card Alliance has always been able to convene industry to come together to address um, market adoption issues. So when EMV was announced, um, the Smart Card Alliance responded, but um, it, rather than uh, continue to expand from the core Smart Card Alliance organization structure, we felt that EMV required its own identity, and that's why uh, the organization stood up the EMV migration form to have a clean, fresh start that would uh, welcome not only the industry suppliers, but also the issuers and the merchants and many of the integrators so that everyone would feel comfortable coming together in a common open forum to discuss the EMV migration and work on issues that are needed for uh, coordination and cooperation among all of the stakeholders. And then briefly, Randy, could you give us an overview of the EMV roadmap for the U.S.'s migration? And perhaps this would bring in some of the discussion that surrounds this EMV coalition. Sure. The, the EMV market for the U.S. Is, is a complicated market because there's lots of moving parts to it that all need to work together in order to provide for an end-to-end -end EMV implementation in a timely and efficient manner. So one of the things that we found right away is that there were technical issues, but there was a lot of discussion around how the market was going to get educated about EMV and how consumers were going to be prepared for the changes that are happening in the EMV market. So as we started to gather as an industry organization, we realized that there was a lot of disparate views in terms of what EMV was and how EMV could be implemented in the U.S., and we learned that there wasn't going to be a single one way in which the technology was going to move forward. In fact, there's clear evidence now that there's going to be a variety of flavors of EMV that are going to be introduced in the U.S. market. There's going to be different ways in which cardholders verify themselves. Some issuers are going to continue to rely on signature. There are some that have opted for using a, an offline PIN to authenticate. There are certainly uh, choices between whether the card operates in a contact-only mode or whether there's contactless capability in it. And there's also discussions about whether the cards operate only in an online real-time environment or whether they support some of these features to work in an offline mode as well. And since there's so many divergent markets on the merchant side, we're hearing from important stakeholders like the ATM industry that has their specific issues related to upgrading the physical infrastructure and the routing choices that they have to support. Organizations like the transit industry who are eagerly looking to adopt open payments for transit um, ridership and therefore are strongly interested in seeing how EMV and contactless and mobile is going to evolve. 
And then we have the, the mix of merchants between the large big box retailers, the fast food stores, the convenience stores, and pharmaceutical companies, grocery chains and such. All of them have very unique issues when it comes to how the technology is going to impact them, both on their, their infrastructure as well as what they expect from the consumers. So a lot of variety, a lot of uh, choices and it makes for a more complicated process, but I think it's a process that everyone feels is necessary in order to address the unique challenges that the U.S. market holds. So, Randy, you've touched on some of the, the unique challenges surrounding debit, but I'm wondering if you could elaborate a bit on how the transactions are processed. We've seen progress made on the credit side, but when it comes to debit, there are so many challenges, and many of these do relate to the fact that we have so many debit networks and sub-networks here in the U.S., what can you tell us about how some of this is stunting the migration toward EMV in the U.S.? So credit is moving forward at a, at a pretty predictable rate, and there aren't any major issues in, in how credit is, is rolling out. But uh, debit has some unique challenges because of the regulatory environment that we face, and that regulatory environment was thrown in, into further uncertainty this summer when the circuit judge uh, Leon overruled the Federal Reserve rulemaking on how debit was going to be implemented under the, the Durbin rules. And that created some additional uncertainty about just what the implementation of EMV for debit was going to look like. We could wish that we could move forward with both debit and credit equally, but because of these challenges with debit, it's actually holding back some of the issuers' plans in issuing credit. And on the merchant side, the merchants want to have one seamless implementation of EMV and are not in favor of implementing EMV for credit and then having to go back in and implement separately for debit because that's going to increase their cost. It's going to increase the time it's going to take to get their systems ready for EMV. So we're at a point now where businesses have to make some decisions in terms of what they're going to implement and what time that's going to both provide them the ability to stay current with the current timetables, but also not to perhaps invest in a technology too prematurely that may require some further changes down the road. Randy, banking institutions have told me that they aren't necessarily halting their plans for migrating their debit portfolios toward EMV, but the car brands say that they aren't putting pressure on banks and credit unions because of this July 31st court ruling that you mentioned that overturned the Fed's one cent per transaction incentive option. Why would this ruling alone be enough to discourage an EMV migration for debit? The ruling has an impact on the application software that's going to reside on the merchant POS systems and on the way in which the EMV applications for debit are selected in order to comply with the pre-July Fed ruling as well as the potential changes that might come if the court appeal is not held up and the change that Judge Durbin required, you know, becomes implemented down the road. So again, the financial institutions want to make sure that what they issue is going to work in the market and be compliant with the regulations. 
and therefore they are waiting to see how much clarity on that technology choices is going to be made. And then the merchants are slow to make the investment at their payment acceptance side if they think that there may be some additional changes that might come out of this current regulatory and, and court hearing process. So I think all parties are acting in a way that minimizes their risk, but with an eye on trying to respond whichever way these court decisions tend to, to lead to. So Randy, can you talk at all about why the card brands aren't putting more pressure on banking institutions and merchants or perhaps the industry to make movement? Are they using this court ruling as an excuse? On the contrary, I, I think the card brands are acting in the appropriate way of providing guidance for the issuers and the retailers on what they are able to do with regard to the implementation of EMV. Remember that the payment brands, you know, are there to provide a service to the financial institutions and therefore financial institutions don't, you know, take specific direction from them. And the financial institutions are making their own business decisions based on um, their unique cardholder portfolios and what they view is going to happen with regard to the market moving forward. So it's not a matter of putting pressure or not putting pressure on. We all recognize that each business stakeholder has to make their own best choices based on what's best for them. And all we can do is to continue to bring people together to talk through these issues and to try to find common ground that people can feel comfortable to go back to their management and make the choices that make sense for them that hopefully will lead to a coordinated effort to move EMV forward in the United States. Randy, do you think that it's possible that we might never see EMV fully rolled out in the U.S.? I don't think that's a realistic concern by anybody who's actively participating in the EMV migration form and the market. I mean, we're seeing financial institutions moving forward with cards being placed in the market. You're seeing more um, marketing and, and communications to consumers about these changes. There has been a tremendous amount of um, work that's already been done by merchants, by the processors, as well as by the issuers to ready themselves for EMV, and we're starting to see the fruits of that. So even though we have some uncertainty in the market today, I think that uncertainty is based on not wanting to get too far ahead of some of the decisions that are still yet to be made, but once there's further confidence in what those decisions might lead to, then we can expect that there's going to be a significant increase in activity in terms of cards being issued in 2014 and early 2015, as well as merchants who, many of whom have already been replacing their terminals with EMV-capable devices, starting to look at the software changes and the back-end changes that will be necessary in order to uh, enable them to start processing EMV. So, Randy, what steps is the EMV Migration Forum taking to encourage EMV movement? So the EMV Migration Forum is convening the industry stakeholders on a regular basis to work on issues that will help facilitate the further acceleration of EMV in the United States. Um, we've broken the community into various working groups to address specific issues that can't be accomplished in a large, single-focused organization. So, for example, the debit issue that impacts 
certain members of the industry, there's been active participation in working and meeting and discussing the issues around debit, but there's also working committees focused on testing and certification uh, changes, which will help to um, alleviate the logjam that's going to happen as more and more merchants want to enable and turn on their EMV acceptance. We have a communications and education group that is standardizing on common terminology, looking at ways in which uh, best practices can be applied from other markets in terms of how to educate and communicate EMV functions to consumers, and also trying to develop the right resources that the industry stakeholders can have access to so that they can further raise their awareness and education. Um, we have a, a group of interested ATM industry stakeholders working on the ATM-related issues, and we're even meeting to discuss issues related to card not present. Interestingly, card not present typically is not considered part of the EMV um, solution set, but because the industry understands that fraud will tend to migrate to the least secure channel, the industry is interested in looking at card not present fraud and examining all that exists in the marketplace today so that they can um, be working on trying to solve those problems of cross-channel fraud that we expect will be occurring in the U.S. market at the same time. So lots of different groups working on lots of different parts of the EMV migration, all with the idea that plans are, are moving forward and within the next two years there's going to be a significant part of the marketplace that's in place and ready to go with EMV. And so what about this court ruling, Randy? Well, I can't speculate on how the courts are going to rule. Um, it's really out of out of our hands and the industry's hands now and into the courts. And what we do know is that the Fed has appealed the Judge Durbin rulings. The briefings have been filed and the arguments have been made. And uh, we're expecting sometime in uh, early to mid-2014, we'll hear what the appeals court judges decide. But the U.S. market isn't going to sit back and do nothing while that happens. We're making the contingency plans to address the options that might happen in either one of those scenarios and um, working on other areas that are not affected by the court ruling so that we can uh, quickly regain some of the momentum that we've lost uh, as a result. And so in the meantime, what role do payments processors and even core service providers play in helping to spearhead more EMV movement? Well, they're the essential pipeline that connects the merchants and the issuing banks to process payments. And they were the first to upgrade and, and change their systems to enable EMV processing, but they have play a very important role in both um, servicing the, the retailers and, and connecting those various retail point-of-sale systems together with the issuing organizations so that we have an uninterrupted process for uh, doing online authentication of cards and then efficient processing of the transactions after they're completed. Uh, they are the piece of the ecosystem that needs to certify and approve the applications that are running on the merchant POS systems. And therefore, there's still some uncertainty in terms of how debit cards are going to be routed through these new systems. So 
they're participating in those discussions and readying their testing and certification processes to respond based on what the ultimate result is of how the debit routing under EMV will continue to move forward. And then, Randy, before we close, are there any final thoughts you'd like to share with our audience? Well, I'd just like to encourage the people who have so far not engaged with their um, industry suppliers or worked with their top management in terms of their scenarios for responding to the call to, to EMV migration to not wait too long because we've seen the effects in other markets when the late adopters have tried to catch up at the last minute and been frustrated by the lack of resources or the inability to meet the timetables that they would like to see because there's been so much drain on the system from other providers and other users of this technology. So the more you are engaged in the conversations, the more you're participating in the discussions, both externally with hearing what's happening in other parts of the ecosystem, I think the better organizations will be prepared uh, to make the sound choices they need to make over the next few years. And for some, that might mean waiting until the dust settles and they can make those strategic choices to do so if, if that's in their best interest. For others who have already been actively involved, um, they need to, you know, stay the course and stay keep committed because ultimately I think that the hard work is going to pay off in a much better system that's going to take fraud out of the market, maintain global interoperability for U.S. consumers traveling internationally and international consumers um, shopping in the U.S., as well as preparing the U.S. payments market for the next generation of payments, which are already underway in terms of many of the mobile solutions and cloud-based solutions and other technology discussions that are happening that requires a much more secure and expansible payment platform than what currently exists in today's market. Randy, I'd like to thank you again for your time this morning. Okay, Tracy, thank you. Again, we've just heard from Randy Vanderhoof of the Smart Card Alliance. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.